Bizzle. Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Oh, The Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. Bizzlecast listeners, we're going to drop some news stories for you. Um, and then we're going to talk about the, the, the biggest news story, which is the release of Anthem, which I still don't really know lore-wise anything about, even though it's Bioware. And I'm completely dismissing... Because it's electronic arts. Um, but uh, Ethan, after we go, and, and listeners, after we go through a few news stories, the last one we're going to do is about Apex, and which is being received very well, I believe, and how EA is able to you know, drop two major products uh, pretty much back-to-back, but also how like they're showing the ability to make some quality in their products, which makes their failures even more glaring. So before we get there, uh, Ethan, we have some hilarious stories. Uh, I think the Konami in Belgium story is funny just from a political PR point of view, but you've got the funniest story about Fallout 76, so let's start with that. Yeah, so... It was announced, uh, a guy on Reddit posted a post and said that Bethesda had wrongly banned him from Fallout 76 because he had accumulated so much ammo Uh that it appeared after 900 hours of playing Fallout 76. Yes, this is insane. This is more insane. So you can stash it? You can stash it like in Fallout 4? Right. Right. So, 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 So the way it is, is right, like in the survival game, like you have a limited number of carry space, right? And you get carried down. But his perk allows him to carry to allow ammo to weigh a lot less, like ninety five percent less than other players. Uh-huh. So he carries so much and then stashes it. And it just keeps carrying, stashing it, and he accumulated so much ammo that Bethesda thought that he was uh, he was cheating, right? Uh-huh. He, had, he, had, he had put he had put illegal items into the game, um, and so they banned him. But in reality, he achieves. This guy has just played nine. He likes Bethesda. He likes Fallout. Yeah, they so should be giving him a, tr- a parade. Nine, what the fuck? On, right, exactly. They like he just played nine hundred hours of this game. Like this guy's done nothing wrong. And oh my god, it's, Ethan, it's like, how how do you ban this guy? Like like really? Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it's on one hand, it's clear that they're trying to get rid of people that sure. that make the game toxic, right? At least yeah. that's good. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like wait. This guy didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. So they put it a support to get the community manager for 76 uh, is looking, quote, unquote, looking into it. Um, but, you know, with these things, you, you never know whether it wraps up or not. But still, like, this is hilarious. Like, how, like, there are actually some pretty funny stories of people, like, role-playing right. specific characters from the Fallout universe and Fallout 76. <laughs> and, listen, for those people who... The, the 25 people who love Fallout 76. Uh-huh. Go for it, guys. Like, have fun. Like, clearly you're enjoying it, so have fun, right? Uh-huh. But it, 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 it's real hard, and as someone who played Destiny 2, it's real hard to have your game turn around and be flipped on a narrative uh-huh. about whether the game is good or not. And so I only wish the best for... Uh, the 76 team to fix their game and Bethesda to fix their game, but it's just, it's just, this is not it, guys. Like, like, I don't the, think the that's going to happen, my friend. Every, how many games have we seen turn around now? Right, but, all at 70, uh, uh, but Destiny, remember, Destiny 1, yep. Destiny 2, yep. Division 1, right, well, I can't, and I, No Man's Sky. Okay, okay. 
So I can't speak to division, but we did talk about the subject briefly before, in the previous podcast, man. And we said, what do No Man's Sky and Destiny have in common? They both start up very slow, but there wasn't a fatal flaw in the engine or actual mechanics of the game. There was just a horrible lack of content and a general flatness uh, in uh, how it was presented as you pointed out the fallout engine has been uh, um extinct but still being used for the last 10 to 15 years at least so by that your own logic six, ethan you ha- really really six or seven well skyrim originally came out in what 2010 2011 2012 so that's seven years ago yeah Okay, but then they were building it for two years before that, so it's almost 10 years. Bottom line is, the Fallout games, Fallout 76, but by that logic, if we accept that there is a fatal flaw in the engine, that seems a lot harder to fix the same way Windows has been nearly impossible to fix, because it's still based on DOS somehow. Now, obviously Windows turned it around 30 years later with Windows 10-ish, um, but I don't think Fallout 76, my man, has uh, 10 years or 30 years to sort out its engine problems. Yeah. No Man's Sky just needed content, and Destiny needed content. Both of those games, there were lies told about what would be initially available. And how long have you been playing Destiny for now, between 1 and 2? A lot. Let's just go with a lot. And what percent? And you know, like if if you have a little uh, um, percentage marker, at like what percent is it firing at in terms of like what you hope it it, it you want it to be or it should be? Sixty percent, eighty percent. It's above fifty. I can tell you that. Um. Okay. Well, you know let's what? Go, I'm, let's, I'm, let's go above sixty. Let's go above sixty. All right. Well, I, I, I I haven't thought about it in a long time. To mm-hmm. be honest with you. I, well, you know what? Since I'm we're enjoying the game, since we're already in it because we started with Fallout seventy six, why don't we just jump in this multiplayer madness too, and we'll get to some of the news stories later. Even though I said we were going to do the opposite, but you're already talking about it. Every time you and I start talking today, inevitably's going to this topic because Anthem just came out. Um, and for those of you who don't know, th- think of all the horrible things that EA represents in terms of uh, loot boxes and you know and greed, and also add in some stuff that the their uh, uh, child uh, company, uh, their junior company, uh, Bioware, um, uh, which has put out some amazing games, although not for a long time. So you add some Bioware in there, which could be good, it could be bad. Um, and uh, Ethan, uh, is there anything particularly original about this history? They just released it, and people are giving it middling reviews, but seem to be slightly optimistic. So two-parter. The slight optimism about Anthem, despite its load screens, which you can talk about, you know, it's seven-hour load screens or whatever. Is this a reaction to people wanting other things from Destiny and they're overreacting because they're now they're they're seeing the stuff that offers that Destiny doesn't offer, but it's not seeing the other stuff that Destiny is is superior to. Why don't we start with that question first? I know what your answer is, but I'm sure uh, I'm interested to hear what your specific points are um, on that. So did that make sense of like yeah, cult yeah. of the new so, versus what's actually really good in this game? So so this isn't like super uh, set in stone right now. Because from uh, everything we understand, so here, here's the background scope just before I began explaining and talking. Um, 
The game's been out for three days early because of EA's horrible, 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 horrible play the game early, uh, or rather play the game on time tactic, Mm -hmm. where they sell you the ability to play the game a couple days before everybody else does. Um, So that's fun. Uh, But for whatever strange reason, they decided to hold back a day one patch for the game until the quote-unquote normal release for everybody on the 22nd. Uh, And that has a ton of fixes for the game that help affect the loading screen issue that you just talked about, that help affect some graphical issues that need to be fixed for the game, and some other things that players are complaining about right now. Right. Uh, How much they're going to change things, we don't know. Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason, they haven't put it out. And... That, that it was just a terrible idea for them not to release it as soon as the game launched for all of the uh, EA Premier members. Um, so there's some changes coming in that, and that will affect an overall score of the game, no matter which way you look at it. But mm-hmm. I just wanted to mention that before I started explaining now. Wait, just before you go on, yeah. listeners, I want you to understand what Ethan just said, which is they basically... Uh, used a Jedi mind trick to make you think you're playing the game early by giving them more money, but actually you're just playing on the uh, the release date, and they're giving you the impression that it's early, and they shouldn't be charging to play a game three days early anyways when people can play betas of amazing games months in advance for free. Um, So I just want you guys to understand that EA lied about the release date so that they could charge more money to quote-unquote VIPs to play early. I don't even think they're lying. I think they're just... they're just they're standing on a bridge and extorting everyone and saying the you can problem, either play the game now or the, play it later. The thing is, the people that can, the adults that can afford to do these things, theoretically have decent jobs, probably in you know marketing or finance, and you'd think would see through this. So, is this just kids with mommy's cre- and daddy's credit card? This is EA's answer to the live service pass that everybody's going to be jumping on shortly here, including people like Netflix, Spotify, whatever. Um, but you do where, see how that's a greed scam. You know, it's saying a year ago, like, let's say, Oh, I'm releasing my, I'm releasing avatar 17 next year on December 13th. And then six months from now I say, Oh, I'm sorry. It's actually December 17th. But if you pay me $10 more per ticket, you can see it on the 13th, right. which has always been the release date. Right. I know that and sounds so, dumb to have to explain, the, but you're you're so objective and logical in how you talk about it. I just want people to understand the level of greed in that small action. It makes us hate EA as much or more as the more obvious stuff like loot boxes, like blatant disregard, season passes, man, you know, gold edition before you've even played the game, etc., etc., etc. These are these are some of the most greedy practices in all of capitalism and my dude i have to think it's, it's i mean i don't want to get too heady we're just starting to talk about anthem but it is a big picture thing which is for the video game industry they failed the government failed to moderate violence and so i think they just gave up on being able to influence the video game industry it's just too powerful and it makes too much money and it always skirts the law without technically breaking it. And now it depends how the loot box thing goes. But in America, what makes this country, what made this country great um, in the beginning when we were fighting off colonial oppression was freedom of the marketplace. But now it's a problem because it's, if it's not illegal in America, then you can do it and no one even cares. And that's what's going on with video games. Um, right. Sorry for the rant. Go ahead. 
Right. Um, basically, EA Premier, or Origin Premier, I think it's called, is EA's Xbox Game Pass. The same thing you pay $10 for to get a whole suite of games on your Xbox or uh, PC. Sure. Sure. Except, except it's also attached to uh, these this three day early thing and some other like fifteen percent off microtransactions. It's some something bullshit. It's it's some bullcrap, um, and it's just ridiculous. It, like if they wanted to, it, I'm not, I'm not even going to go into that. Basically, it's bullshit. Yeah. Um, right. So it that was the whole thing with the day one patch. Uh huh. Um, so. Uh, that's obviously still in review from what i have seen and heard the game is the game has been the the game is not finished the game's not finished um for a game that was made by bioware and bioware is known for their fantastic story-driven content Uh where your choices have an effect on the world and how the story plays out Uh mm-hmm Anthem has none of it. The story boils down to, similarly to how Destiny 1 launched, good guy with group of good guys takes right. down bad thing to save, to prevent bad right. things from happening. Right. It boils down to that. It doesn't provide an interesting campaign. Mm-hmm. The, their, their trademark, their, their, their signature, the ability to make choices is there, but it has no presence on the effects of the game or the world or the campaign itself. You just make a dialogue choice, and that's the dialogue that comes out, hmm. uh, which a lot of people are obviously disappointed by. Yep. Um, so the campaign is, from what I understand, not very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, w- I want to preface this by saying I have not played the game yet. I have watched a lot of the game, but I have not played the game. Mm-hmm. Um, the the, the end game experience mm-hmm. is what most people are going to care about with this type of game, as it is a looter shooter. Sure. The the end game experience, in comparison to its competition, Warframe, Destiny, The Division, and soon to be The Division Two, is laughably bad in my opinion. It's laughably bad. There is it, versus games like Destiny versus games like Warframe, where they have had we're coming up on our their sixth year to develop and create a world and deliver its content. Anthem Anthem is just coming out, mm-hmm. and it is it is just now showing us what it has, and it it does not have a lot. It does yeah. not have a lot. So. Uh, Unless unless EA and Bioware have the updates ready to go, and we're talking about monthly updates with a vibrant amount of fresh content for the players to enjoy via Endgame, if we're going to wait another three months for a content pack to drop, whether it's paid DLC or not, right? this game is just not ready yet. It's just not ready. It's just not ready. It's taken Destiny and Warframe six. Uh, we're coming up on six years mm-hmm. to figure out what they need to do to get their game right. It took Warframe a little bit less time to figure it out, and it took Destiny a little longer. Mm-hmm. But those games have figured out what they want to do to make a 
great experience for players to keep playing via and uh, via the end game loot grind. And Anthem doesn't seem to have an answer for that. And I think, like, unless until Anthem shows that its end game is robust, it there's no reason to buy this game because mm-hmm. the story people aren't going to like it unless you like jumping into worlds and like diving into its lore and experiencing the lore through your own eyes by reading stuff, mm-hmm. right? And not, not everybody likes reading codexes. Just yep. not everybody likes doing that. Um, if, if, if you like a enjoyable story, it's better, it's better in every right than Destiny 1's story was when it launched. It's a much better story, like, cinematically and... Uh, enjoyably than destiny's was when it first launched destiny once but it just like destiny just like the division it has this problem where there's too much story and you can't deliver that in this type of game unlike borderlands where which the I'm reinstalling, is, by the way. I'm, I, you just reminded me. Like, it's been yeah. on my shelf to reinstall. I actually play through all the Borderlands games. Un- unlike Borderlands, where the story is... It's there, it's present, and it's enjoyable, but it's complemented by the fact that the loot is what you chase, and the toilet humor is what you're there for. It's great characters, though. Great characters. But, and, 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 right, right, but that's the point. It's like the story, the, the game and the story knows what it is. Right. And it fully embraces that, no, right. and it makes a great experience because of it. Versus where Destiny and Division and now Anthem fail to do, which is make a story that encapsulates its world and takes it and, and like fully engages it and takes all of the things it has and brings them out through the story. I mean, when I heard... It, it, all three of these games mm-hmm. fails to do that on some level. When I heard a, a year or two... Whenever the... There's probably more than that. Time's flying. Um, whenever they initially announced that Nathan Fillion would be doing voice work for Destiny, I was like, okay. They're, they're definitely going to at least try and get some cool characters like an Overwatch, even if there's not like a full single-player campaign. And it never happens. Um, and I'm confused. It didn't happen at launch, and they figured well, it out. Well, then, yeah. Ethan, this is my next point, which is I'm looking at Jim Sterling's rather glowing article about Apex Legends, these amazing p- pictures of very Overwatchy slash Borderlandsy characters, right, that are in the mm-hmm. game. Like, very Overwatchy Borderlandsy characters in some of these paintings. And you put it next to Fortnite, and what are the other major um, Fortnite Overwatch? What are a couple more of, of the... League. League. Um, okay, but in terms of third or first person shooters, uh, are there any... Um, is is um, PUBG completely dead at this point? PUBG's still alive. It's got its own niche audience, but it doesn't have characters. It doesn't have characters like that. Um, right. For- o- Overwatch is the best comparison, to be honest with you. Yeah, well, but just the 2D... Yeah, yeah. It looks, yeah, it looks like Overwatch. Um, my point being... So, Apex Legends was dropped weeks before Anthem. Ethan, I have some conspiracy theories. I want to know what you think. One, they knew Anthem was either going to bomb or at least take a very, very long time to be fixed and go forward. Um, And so, Apex Legends, they was in their back pocket and they were like, you know what? We weren't sure if we were going to charge for this or not. We need a distraction and we need a public relations victory. And more importantly, we need players 
to buy our shit, so we'll throw out Apex Legends weeks before their most hyped game since Battlefront 2, man. It made me more hyped in Anthem. This must be a a conscious business decision, these release schedules, right? Right. And and I'm going to agree with you. I think that they know. Uh, Well, I actually don't know what they thought. I think they probably said... 10 million already users on um, Apex Legends in the first week. I I have to imagine even that plus more in the last week. Yeah. I think think they knew that one of these games was going to bomb, or both of them were going to bomb. And so they said... Let's let's do something unique and get get the game like, like, like put this game out there and see how it does. Right. Because they knew it, if you look at Apex Legends, right? And just you've played with the Titanfall guns a little bit. Oh yeah, I love right? that stuff. I had Apex right? Legends I'm downloaded, man, but I was like I I I have too many other games and not a big enough hard drive and so I You're I got rid just of it. too afraid to go into a multiplayer patch. It's fine, Jesse. That's I'm not going to deny that. But I did <laughs> I did reinstall Titanfall on too on my on my uh and, and my it, PS4, man. That's my so point, that's part like, of it. If, if you look at the guns from Titanfall yeah. They're all just reskinned guns yeah. or re re um reused right. products from Titanfall. And you like, know if what? You look at Apex. If you and, and yeah. I have no problem with that. Yeah. Right? Really quickly, the game, uh, the game is yeah. fun. and The game is enjoyable. Just really quickly about Titanfall. You mentioned about the the, the wall running, but. After having played Horizon twice and now a bunch of Assassin's Creed, I feel pretty good about the sort. And uh, uh, um, Uncharted has some similar mechanisms where you're going from, uh, you know, um, uh, trap to trap to trap to trap, whatever, in, in like a smooth motion. I don't think it'll be as much of a problem uh, now that I'm like really used to this. That was one of the first games I tried to play on the system. I was like, ah, one of the first person shooter. This is too much. That's why I'm putting. Yeah, I'm, I'm giving God of it's War another try, and I'm putting. Yeah, and I'm putting Borderlands the the golden the gold edition whatever Borderlands yeah. back on as well because you know what I want I I do want a first person shooter it's been years but I don't want any of the new fucking you know EA Activision uh, etc first person shooters which is why to tie it all around man I want Destiny two to be just slightly awesomer and less expensive so I can get in on it and to have my own game even if there are people around because even though no man sky is cool this it's just not enough to keep me interested for dozens of hours but i do like the notion that like i could occasionally bump into people but it's not all the time does that make sense like yeah i I think i think i think that like as far as like a the the two concerns that you just mentioned there so content wise for 60 dollars you will get way more content on destiny 2 than you will get anthem or um division right now yeah uh, actually, uh, Division One, arguably, but mm-hmm. Division Two, yes, you'll get more content out of the Destiny Two than you would Division Two if you bought it for sixty dollars right now. Um, but the other thing is, you you don't have to play with people in Destiny. Most of the most of the stuff right. is soloable. In fact, you right. can get to max power now in the game without ever playing with another player ever. Um, they 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 did a very good job of making it so that people the casual audience for destiny can still play the game right which is not something that uh, 
I'm not. I don't want to keep talking about Anthem, but it's not something. No, that but Anthem we, did we, very we well. do have some. We do have some things we have to address about Anthem. So let me sure. just ask a few specific questions. So forget about what is and isn't working. The bottom line is this has been available to the the public for a very short amount of time. So there's a. T- we're doing a lot of speculation uh, at, at right. the moment. Um, so let me just try and and hone in on this a little bit. So first of all. Let, let's start with some object trying to be objective what what did anthem pro, like what has anthem been promising in your view um whether they directly can have been comparing themselves to destiny or not like what are some things that you think they've been trying to sell as as being better than destiny i'm not asking you to assess it uh, just to, for the wider audience what does anthem supposedly offer two or three things for people who don't know much too much about this uh, over destiny and then we can assess it from what i would uh, let me answer the question this way sure I'm going to answer it as what I what I personally would have wanted to see out of an anthem release uh-huh. to be reasonable and to be good in my opinion. What would have made me buy the game? Right. right? And right now I'm not, I, I have no interest to buy the game. Sure. What I would have ex- wanted right. was, uh, and this is totally different from gameplay, by the way. Just a comparable amount of content. To what was at the very uh, comparable at the least to what Destiny Two launched with. Okay. Can I can I play the game for a month, a month straight, and still have some things to do, or do I want to hold off and, or or am I like, eh, I'm good here. I just put it down for a minute, go play something else. Oh, I can come back and play something for a little bit. Uh huh. That reasonable amount of content, and then also follow up with their promise that they said they were going to create interesting story um, pathways in their dialogue options. They said by they said that there were going to be those things in Anthem, and it's not there. And so, are we talking like, like single play? Like I'm here's the thing, Eth. Tradi- a traditional Bioware. Wait, can I can I just ask the they question? They were gonna go ahead. Let me cause, no, because this is an honest. I need your help, guidance, and understanding something. If I want to make sure that's clear, which is, it's one thing for me to you know uh, argue for single player over multiplayer, traditional multiplayer, even newer multiplayer like Destiny and stuff like that. But with a game like Anthem. Like they're not doing a good job of helping me understand what it is, and and I think Polygon, not the actual Polygon article, but the fact that Polygon divided its entire review into two completely different sections on purpose—one called action, one called story, or whatever—to point out that they're trying to stuff an EA multiplayer on one end uh, um, uh, of the Chinese finger trap, and then the other end they're poking in uh, some Bioware mass, you know, effects stuff i'm not saying it won't work but is is that even a good assessment of, of what they're trying to do have, yeah, have, have, so, have so it both it, ways have it, it completely is, it, both this ways is, this is the issue with all looter shooters of in the in the destiny division uh and now anthem uh category which is they are trying too hard to make a beautiful story experience that is captivating and interesting right. and also make an end game experience for a looter shooter. Those are two very different things. That's like trying to say, I need to have a, 
I need to have an award-winning uh, writer and an award-winning uh, a, 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 an incredible, super-talented IT staff in the same person. That's not, that, that's not how things work, right? And so what all of these games have done is they've all had their own twist on it, mm-hmm. but they've all also failed spectacularly in their own way at it, which is mm-hmm. Destiny's story was there. It was present. It existed. It's great, and it's a bountiful universe that you play the game in. Mm-hmm. But it's all locked behind cards that you needed to go log on to another website for and read, mm-hmm. right? Like you have to leave the game and go onto a web browser and look and like read it. Mm-hmm. That's the story. Hmm. That that no no video gamer has ever needed to do such a thing, and it's obvious it was obviously a failure. The division. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Time out, time out. Back this truck up. Beep, beep, beep. Ethan, okay. you 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 were the last person, even though I've been predicting this to be a failure since I heard of its inception a year ago from you. It, it, it's too early for anyone from any side on this to, to to make a judgment that whether this is a failure or not right away, right? I mean, Bethesda with ni- with uh, nineteen seventy, what the fuck's it called? Seventeen seventy six, nineteen seventy six, seventy six. Well, Fallout seventy six. You know, people thought it looked like a failure on launch, but it, it keeps showing us. But you have to admit, it's too early. But but my, my I'm just bi- talking about the story. No, I, I, under- story. I understand. Yeah. The, the reviews tend to think the story is better than they expected, but still not great. Seems to be the consensus. But my point is, Ethan is even higher, which is every time you accuse me of not liking multiplayer, my response is the same, which is I'm fine with multiplayer games, but if you're going to go multiplayer, just go multiplayer, which is why I'm actually okay with what Call of Duty 4 did, even though I missed the campaigns, like, you know, in Destiny, like, just go on online MMOs, whatever, or, you know, MOBAs, blah, 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 or single-player games like Uncharted. It's too, it, like, even... If games like Uncharted and The Last of Us could have implemented a fully online universe, like with the launch of the fifty nine nine dollar single player campaign, of course they would have done it. There's a reason they don't. It's too expensive. Like Horizon, you know, like Horizon didn't even try to have like four player online co op or something like that, right? I mean, they, they like they just don't have the time. And so even even with EA's money, who knows how much is EA, how much is Bioware? It seems, based on history, literally financially impossible for them to release a multiplayer component as good as Destiny and a single-player component as good as Mass Effect or Dragon Age. That's what I've been trying to say. Go right. ahead. But, that's, but that, that's what they keep doing, right? It's, it's, it, it, it's as though Anthem neglected what Destiny and Division both failed to, in doing and said, this seems like a great idea. We're going to take that. Yep. No, that that's an awful idea. I will admit, fullheartedly, yeah. that the campaign is a better cinematic and enjoyable experience overall than the other two games was. Okay. And, and, and respectfully, but what that does, but again, it boils down to mm-hmm. good guy prevents bad guy from doing bad thing. That, right. that, that's what it put, and, and that has nothing, or rather, it has little to do yeah. with the immersive universe that all three of these games has 
it, it, it has little to do. Mm-hmm. And instead they are telling this story that is generic, that we have right. That what that 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 is very much a a a running gag at this point, right? Like we don't want like like. Well, Destiny Marvel, didn't do great even, with even, Peter even, Dinklage. Even I'm sorry movies, to say, even Marvel movies like beat it into the ground. It's now, funny. So it's, I was gonna exact. I I'm not making this up. I was literally about to make the Marvel comparison, which is even Marvel beat it into the ground, and that's when you know it's done, right? Like. It's done, guys. Wrap it up. Like it's a wrap. Like come on out. So wait, are you you're saying you're done with Marvel movies? No, no, no. Oh, okay. But I'm saying, but I'm saying, like the way they treating movies like Ant Man, like guys, we 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 got it, we got it. It's we got the full circle here. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right, wrap it up. All right, cool. Let's move on. You mean right? they should just be making fewer films? I think. I, I, I mean, that's what I say on my podcast literally all the there's, time. There's less and less creativity. I, I still enjoy them. No, I agree. Star Wars I, is doing not even one a year going forward. Star Wars I, is actually pulling back. Why can't Marvel pull back? I think there should only be one Marvel movie a year, I would agree. So, right. Cause if you've, not you've, one every two. If not one every two. But you see what I'm saying? I'm saying the studio that had only been doing one a year in Star Wars is pulling back, and the studio that does three a year is not pulling back. Exactly. Shows you how much I smarter, would, in my opinion, Lucasfilm is than Marvel in terms of the long term. I would term. rather them... Although Star Wars is releasing a shit ton of shows, dude. They just announced today, or it's been reported pretty strongly that the Obi-Wan, Ewan McGregor miniseries is going to happen as well. We've already got the Rogue One prequel, The Mandalorian, which takes place during the original trilogy, and Clone Wars coming back. So I think uh, Lucasfilm is just focusing on television. I mean, Marvel has done horribly on television. I mean, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, Inhumans, give me a fucking break. So That's what I'm trying to say is, like, what they should have done yeah instead of two tv shows right. and four movies yeah they should have focused on one miniseries yeah that way they can expand more in depth to a specific comic book character yeah right instead of just boiling it down to a three two and a half hour movie yep and one bigger movie that sets up the big movie for the big avengers movie for the following year yep can i tie in a question to what we just talked about with what we've been talking about generally, which is EA, which is Ethan for someone who has an entire podcast that focuses so much on star Wars. And then, you know, my second biggest podcast is is our, you know, or most released podcast is our video game stuff. Mm-hmm. I cannot, for the life of me, since we started this in late 2017 uh, with uh, when Battlefield 2 came out, I cannot um, uh, figure out for the life of me why Lucasfilm seems to have control in every location, even when you know there's some split, you know, uh, 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 you know, viewership over certain movies and so forth. Nevertheless, it's very intentional, and they have full control. Why with with video games do they keep giving EA games to make bad and cancel? I just I don't understand. And how does this relate to? And is this directly related to actually Apex and Anthem? And in, in terms of what the fact that EA thinks its own new stupid sci-fi IPs are better than Star Wars is another horrible miscalculation by EA. And I can't wait to see them completely fall. Go ahead. I just think the CEO of Disney doesn't give a shit. 
That's but that's but they get but that's the thing. They've never given more of a shit about every other part of their image and the commerce market. I mean, toys I, check, you know, Legos check, c- cartoons check, new sh- you know, n- new network coming out check, you know, like but, but that 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 that's the point. That, that that's the point is that they're like like it is clear that Disney's stance on EA having the license hasn't changed because they would have changed it by now. Right, right. Like I, I don't know how how quick how how quick do they pull the plug on things that affect their image, Jesse? Because you would know more about this than I would. They fired a ton of directors, um, right. so I, <sighs> right around the James Gunn controversy, they pulled the plug. No, that was Marvel. Could. That was Marvel. Right. I'm just well, I'm just talking about it's Star Wars. Disney. It's still Disney. I know, but but what I'm saying is Lucasfilm has the most autonomy from Disney of all the companies. That was part of George Lucas's, um, you know, they made him pr- the promise to him essentially um, that Kathleen Kennedy and whoever her successor would be would have autonomy. Like the Rogue yeah. One is more violent than anything Disney has ever put out before, literally. Yeah. And they're going to have to be put there. By the way, dude, th- this whole Netflix is canceling all the Defender shows is bullshit. I've been posting about this online a ton this is so clearly a a, a, a smokescreen of saboteurs from disney being like oh yeah we're just happened to be canceling all of our shows including jessica jones which we know is one of the highest rated shows on netflix we're quote-unquote canceling them all just as our streaming service is coming they just want all their stuff back and they're trying to get rid of netflix i can't believe netflix isn't going after them about all this nonsense uh, but technically Netflix is the one canceling it. So Disney must be paying them off or something. But anyways, Deadpool and those shows, man, are going to be on Hulu. They're not going to be on yeah. the, the Disney network. Um, yeah. so that's kind of annoying. That means that if the, the Netflix, uh, crews come back they, that or expanded or new cast, whatever, they would go also to, to Hulu. But Rogue One is a Star Wars movie and it's technically BG 13. That's, but that's, that's as far as they can push it. So back to your original question. Generally, Kathleen Kennedy at Lucasfilm gets what she wants. Um, you know, including a new trilogy for Ryan Johnson, even though the, the perspective over Last Jedi is completely split in the community. She keeps insisting that he's going to make more movies, which is fine, but she gets what she wants. So, I'm agreeing with you based on evidence that they don't seem to care, but I'm 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 still a que- I'm not disagreeing, but I'm st- on the other hand I'm still questioning the um logical um uh logical likelihood that this is the case on the, as it seems on the surface man because logically they're usually control freaks and it seems like single player uncharted type games and stuff that lucas arts used to do and and so forth would be in their best interests um so i don't know man it like there's certain things i can definitely criticize star wars about i, I in general you know again i like them much more than disney as a whole but this is one where i i can't criticize completely because i don't understand but yeah i guess the book i mean it, how do i don't know how these licensing contracts work do do you have any sense of how these licensing contracts work not a clue maybe they're I think, more I, I, I think if TV. disney wanted i think if disney wanted out of it they would just pay it off and get out of it yeah that's the issue here and yeah. th- there, there's a there, there's an old I, I don't know if it's greek or latin i forget um it's an old saying and this is a horrible saying for some of the things that go on today in our today's world but just just listen to it in, in this context uh silence gives consent right, right. yeah sure right if Disney is silent, 
it means they're fine with it. It means they're fine with it. Or, or they so, can't get out of the contract, so they're not saying anything. Or they can't get out of it, but... Well, I, I think they would voice their disconsent if they wanted out of it. I, th- I don't think they'd have a problem with it. Right. I mean, they're saying the but, game was very far along again when they canceled it. Jedi Fallen Order is supposed to release this year, but like... Very I, far along in video game term, basically, and for those listening out there, basically means we had a good concept and it was solid and we, had, we were kind of working on a prototype. That's very far along, just so you know. Well, but it was supposed to come out before Jedi Fallen... No, I guess it wouldn't have been coming out before Fallen Order, but we haven't heard anything. They're saying 2019, maybe they're trying to pull a Red Dead Redemption and get all the end of the year money and kudos kind of thing. It's possible. Maybe. It's, it's very possible. Maybe. I mean... They're, they're releasing about every two years with these Battlefront games around Christmas, right? We definitely have Episode 9, which people are very excited about because it's been, you know, it'll have been two years since there was a, a you know, a Saga movie, a Skywalker movie or whatever. Um, and so maybe they're waiting for that. And maybe this is all part of EA's grand plans, man. So let's go back. So give me the best case scenario for, and I want you to include Apex because you like it or it seems to be decent. So when you combine the Apex release and the Anthem release, what's their best case scenario? And then I want to hear what your likely scenario is. But if you're if you can step into EA shoes, and then we'll move on to a couple other topics. If you can step into EA shoes, uh, what, what is your best case scenario for the dual release of uh, these shooters? Best case scenario, best case scenario from scenario. EA's perspective. Yes. Best case scenario is Apex Legends takes the majority or at least the second the, the, the second majority of the market of the Battle Royale genre. Uh-huh. Either surpassing or sitting right underneath Fortnite and gets a whole bunch of money from that, right? And continues to get good monetization off of microtransactions from the game. Uh-huh. And Anthem has content in the pipeline waiting to come out on a time-gated basis to keep people interested in the game to mask the illusion of a game. This is something that everybody does in the literature genre, except for Borderlands, but um, that's a different story. Um, have content ready to push out for monthly updates and make and make a good end game and keep people interested in the game to buy their DLC. Mm-hmm. That's best case scenario, and that the the game has a good con- a good end game that way. Mm-hmm. And if it, if that's the case, mm-hmm. I'm all for it. Give me end yeah. game, bring it on, right? Like yeah. I'm all for it that way. But and so so that's the best case scenario. Yeah. I, um. Re- really quickly, um, as I was just looking through this, I didn't realize that the head of the canceled EA Star Wars game was Amy Hennig, who was. Yeah. One of the Uncharted founders and was basically kicked out of the company of Naughty Dog during the development of Uncharted 4. They handled it very diplomatically, but if you watch any of the no clip or other documentaries about the making of Uncharted 4, uh, with, um, uh, um, with what's his face who runs who runs Naughty Dog now they had to pull uh, Neil off of uh, Last of Us in yeah. order to do Uncharted Four because they just didn't like something about her vision and now she's had a canceled project at EA. I'm not saying she's the problem. I just think it's interesting. And let's be honest, dude. What was one of the most public things about the post Mass Effect Three and then Andromeda was that like a lot of the people that were now designing Dragon Age and Mass Effect were not the people who were designing. It five ten years ago, right? 
Right. So is there, um, do you follow, uh, it's a little sidebar here, um, and then we'll move on to a couple stories. Do you follow whether it's the games you love like Destiny 2 or whether it's, you know, big games like Anthem that you may or may not like um, uh, 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 or, or play, do you follow what goes on with sort of the designers on the inside? Because it seems like if oh, nothing else, Destiny has had consistency of its programmers and some of its designers as it slowly evolves, whereas EA seems to constantly be in turmoil in terms of its personnel thoughts yeah so uh i I do follow close development uh for the developers for destiny 2 mostly because it's what i'm interested in um but uh just an example of that is like one of the interesting things for destiny 2 is for their uh a current issue is that players are not as interested in armor sets how they look uh fashionably from Destiny 1 to Destiny 2. They think Destiny 2 armor sets are not as good. And so the explanation that some that the, the community got from Bungie was that the artist group cycles it from each expansion. They cycle each other out about who's on top and who what, what perspective are they going to take for the armor sets. And that's why some armor sets have better or more interesting designs to the player base than others because they keep shifting out who is at the head of the artist development. Um, mm. and so they, I, I follow these things closely. So I find out what's going on with the game. I enjoy the most. Right. Um, so do you think that the, the, you know, in, in TVs, they call them showrunners in a movie. It's the director, but in TV, they have tons of directors. So there's a showrunner who directs and writes, right. Et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, Vince Gilligan with breaking bad, Ron Moore with Battlestar Galactica. And you know, the lots of those come to mind, obviously. Um, uh, but in, in there is a, the equivalent, my man, of a showrunner in um, uh, in in design studios. And Neil Druckmann mm-hmm. is it for Naughty Dog? Um, and um, oh god, I always forget his last name from uh, Herman Hulst, uh, who director, managing director. Actually, that's what they go, they go by. They go by managing director uh, Herman Hulst from Gorilla. Um, it's a woman at Sony Santa Monica. I can't remember her name. She's great. Um, uh, but you know what I mean? I'm sure there's one. Do you know who the managing director is of Destiny, or is it too big uh, it changes, to have one? It's so it's, it's actually really interesting what they do. So they have a... Um, and where's Bungie getting its money from at this point? Side note. Go ahead. I'll, 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 I'll finish the first one. Yeah, thing. go to the first one for um, first. Yeah. I didn't want to forget about that. So what they do is they have a they have the big expansion lead. So whatever the big expansion, so the yearly big expansion, whoever is whoever is part of that, yeah. they're 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 the game director, right. For that, then they have then they have the live service director who's in charge of what's going on between those two expansions, and then they have the franchise lead director right. who's in charge of the grand plan. Is that Luke Smith? From- yeah, that's Luke Smith. Okay. So Luke Smith was the guy who did the who was the head of the original raid. I got gotcha. you. The raid design team, and then he made the first big expansion, the Taken King, and then they I they gotcha. were like, okay, so he's got the grand plan. We're gonna put him at the top. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Um, I got. Gotcha. Interestingly enough, Luke mm-hmm. Smith is also one of the old, like six people in the world who has the Scarab Lord title from World of Warcraft, which is this famous event. Um, pretty cool, but. Um, as far as monetary is concerned, um, they're being funded by their partial sales from 
the development of Destiny with that with Activision over the years. Mm-hmm. But then just last year, they got a one hundred million dollar investment from NetEase, a Chinese company, the same company that makes who is making Diablo Immortal, the, the, that company, mm-hmm. um, in exchange for a seat on their board of directors uh, to make a new IP. That's where they're getting their money. So is is Bungie basically treating themselves as sort of a mid-range super studio that's bigger than... They are. They, they, they are now the largest independent studio in the world. They just are. Right. They have to be. Right. They have, to, right. They have, a, they have a CEO. They have a board of directors. Yeah. And it's very ballsy. I mean, Neil Druckmann, Herman Hulse, the, the Sony people, I, I, I both don't know the names of all the Nintendo <clears throat> heads, um, and I nev- I probably couldn't pronounce them anyways. You probably know some of them. You, you, the, the way it works in Nintendo, you kind of just base it at who's the head of each region and then who's the head of all. That's mm-hmm. kind of the way you... Nintendo, uh, uh, yeah. America, Japan, yeah. Europe. But what I was what I was about to say was the best Sony studios, at least with the right amount of money and personnel, are are, are skilled enough and capable enough to, to scale up. But they have no reason to because Sony's paying them. You know, so like if Sony were to dissolve, then I think Naughty Dog could go off and and for sure hire amazing talent, expand and whatever. But the Destiny two uh, or Bungie, I should say, they're actually doing. Doing it, and, and as someone who yeah. started the company and been a freelancer most of my life, that would scare the hell out of me. I don't know, uh, you know, if Luke Smith is calling all the shots ultimately, but whoever is at the top calling the shots about the money and the creativity has ginormous, huge testicles. I mean, giant yeah. balls, just balls, you know, like like global size balls. His name, but he's he, he, he's a he's a big guy at his heart too. For, yeah. for gamers and yeah. the way the way the bungee runs. So, so 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 just to tie again everything in. So by the way, I told you Disney was putting their rated R shows on Hulu. Well, guess who owns and has owned silently a large chunk of Hulu for the last ten years is Disney. And guess who is designing Disney's mobile platform is the people at Hulu. So there are all these alliances that go on, man, with, with these mid-level companies. Hulu is actually, even though no one talks about them in the same sentence as Netflix or Amazon, they've been biding their time and they're about to be a huge part of big companies' futures. They're sort of like a nesting area where they do have their own service, but they're also providing for bigger companies. Do you think you could see something happening at, at, at Bungie? Uh, um, at, you were sort of hinting at this. And it does seem like they're, you know, by getting non-traditional but big investors, now all of a sudden, it's almost like the reverse Bungie, right? Like Bungie, the more corporate control has been over, uh, not Bungie, sorry, Bioware. Bioware, the the more corporate control and expectation that has fallen on Bioware, the worse they've gotten. Whereas Bungie just said, fuck it, we're going to do it ourselves. But then they can start consulting to other companies like, you know, like let's say the designer of... um, um, uh, the you know the one of the original designers of Anthem that's actually very brilliant. Let's say th- that exists and they left and blah 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 blah. They could go to someone like Bungie and Bungie can give them an opportunity. Or do you see what I'm saying? Like we need more of these mid range. Just in general, so, we need more of these mid range companies where they're you know because all the best art design you know artistic design designer studios as I would call them are with Sony and Nintendo. And, and it'd be nice to have ones that are slightly bigger, yes, and more ambitious. But that's 
dude blizzard that's what blizzard was i mean my entire childhood blizzard is exactly what i'm describing and what you were describing with bungie go ahead right so bungie's bungie's situation is unique from other studios so unlike other studios bungie was in a partnership with activision not owned underneath them Mm mm-hmm Correct me if I'm wrong. Is Naughty Dog owned by Sony? I don't remember. I don't remember. Yes, it is a Sony studio. Okay. Yeah. So Sony would have to relinquish the all of the rights to the studio. No, I understand. That wasn't really my point. For, for something like that. I happen. was talking about potential, but not the, like it's going to so, happen. So the potential. So so for any studio that's owned by another by a publisher, there's no chance in hell it happens. That's not. I'm just, not. That's not the potential I'm talking about, Ethan. I'm talking about the potential of the p- people, the human resources. I'm saying that the people at the top of com- of companies or subsidiaries like Naughty Dog with Neil Druckmann and people, they would be capable of doing what the Luke Smith and company are doing at at Bungie and what the Blizzard people, you know, from the late '80s to the early 2000s did, dude. It was was blizzard and id software and you know about blizzard and you just read masters of doom and you see why ultimately those those companies collapse or get bought out because it's just too much money and responsibility for a small company in software essentially collapsed ish um and was bought and then blizzard was obviously bought and it's having other problems I wasn't talking about uh, real-world potential. I was talking about human potential, you know, like corny, corny potential. Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. It, the the yeah. potential is obviously there. Yeah. The biggest number one issue... Which is why he said huge balls for Luke Smith slash the Bungie, people in charge of Bungie. Yeah, I, I forget his name, but the CEO of Bungie, like, props to him. Like, good job, because he figured out a way to keep his company uh, slash dev studio alive yep. to make a series, and then one... Because he got his investment to his game and his company and then was able to reclaim the rights to it Yep. <laughs> by getting out of it by, by an early out clause with Activision right. Bungie. Yep. Right? Like that's like – like that's probably best case scenario for them. Um, the, it, of course it's possible for all these brilliant people out there and these brilliant game designers to do what Bungie is doing now. The issue – is and it will always be an issue. The number one issue with game design mm-hmm. is just money. It's just the amount of funding they have. How long can they go before they and have to the human the and the human resources? I mean, like Naughty Dog isn't great because the amount of money it has. Naughty Dog is great because they have amazing people. Gorilla is great. They have amazing people. The Nintendo Studios. I mean, dude, there's a reason that a Mario game never misses. I mean, it's not my thing. But if you look at how many Mario games there have been and how many of them are considered good to great or at least just fun, can you name three mainstream, not when they, you know how Nintendo used to license out Mario briefly, or Zelda, I should say? And The answer is no to your question. I know what your question is. The answer is no. But but they no, did they did license out Zelda for a while and it was disastrous, right? Oh my god, that was disastrous. So the question is, of all the Zelda and Mario games since you were a, a kid, um... What, what is it is it over under 90 percent effectiveness rating of pretty good good great i cannot name a bad mario zelda game that is not owned by nintendo or made in-house by nintendo i yep. cannot name one yep bad and i mean i mean bad as in like six out of ten bad right like, no i can't name one right What's interesting is, man, is you have companies like um, 
Gorilla who did Killzone. And, you know, the Killzone games are widely considered to be gorgeous and have great shooting, but uh, generally not the best shooters ever, but it le- led to the Horizon engine. Um, and then you also have uh, Santa Monica. You know, as much as I-, I had fun with the old school God of War games, they took a ginormous jump creativity, creativity, uh, creatively and artistically with the new God of War, obviously. They took these huge jumps to where now those are the games, you know, getting nominated and winning the awards. Mario is probably never going to win a Game of the Year awards, but they don't care because guess what? I'm still seeing they YouTube. They almost got it. They do, almost got it. Do you know what 75% of my YouTube ads are right now? And I know they're targeted. 75% uh, of my YouTube ads are of the games Warrior for Maker the 3DS. Two. You can yeah. play as Mario and Luigi, a hilarious adventure, and blah, 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 or the new Pokemon games. They, they're making these, they're making Ultra Pokemon sound like it's a new game. It's amazing marketing by them. Um, like, you won't believe Ultra Moon and Ultra Sun. It's crazy. Um, uh, uh, you know what I'm saying? And so they, they don't really give a fuck because they're still going to sell it. Link Breath of the Wild was the first, as far as I'm aware, that was considered a critical darling of the Nintendo. Um, and why don't we move to Nintendo uh, for a little bit, move away from, from the toxicity yeah. that we both feel towards EA for some similar and yeah. some different reasons. But before we get into the Nintendo announcements, man, just to follow my train of thought, if you don't mind, like was, was Breath of the Wild the first sort of designer Nintendo game after all of these amazing games and all of these years? I mean, I Mario was, 2 was I, I supposed to be that. the last... I can't remember the last game that got Game of the Year from Nintendo before Breath of the Wild. Dude, it's been a long time, though, I can tell you that. Have you ever read the story of Mario 2, the original Mario 2 that was such a disaster? No. That was supposed to be artistic. No points, minimal killing, very puzzly, very pretty. You're not really sure what you're doing. It's really like a very experimental game that we all hated back in the day because they didn't have any of the Mario stuff. And there's a reason why Mario 3 and then Super Mario World were just souped-up versions of Mario 1. But Mario 2 was very experimental, as were some of the early Zelda games of that that we were just mocking. You know, were, were experimental. But Breath of the Wild is really a new level. By the way, dude... I don't know if this is your karma, uh, but my TV is just completely broken. So if I'm not playing computer games in the near future until I can get a new TV, I gotta use the Switch. So I'm being forced into it. God damn it. You have to show me how to do combat in Xenoblade because I, I'm stuck on a boss early on and I can't, yeah. I can't figure it out. But anyways, was, was, it, uh, in, in your lifetime, um, and, uh, uh, is that the first major sort of designer Nintendo game, especially from a major franchise? From what I remember, yes. Where does but Pokemon could, fit in this scale? Like, let's 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 apply what we were just talking about with studio heads and so forth. Applied to Nintendo, <clears throat> little to none that I know, and whatever you know, but which is from if if you have Zelda and Mario all the way to one side in terms of being ensconced, you know, at, at, with Nintendo, the company sent corporate Nintendo, and on the other hand, <clears throat> you have games like. Chrono Trigger. You have like Squeenix games, some of which are Nintendo exclusives, some of which aren't, right? Where does Pokemon fit on that map? The sort of ownership of Pokemon and who's behind it has never really made itself clear to me because they have made some bizarre decisions over the years and some great ones, but not necessarily in the way that you're used to with Zelda and Mario and so forth. Am I totally off on this? Every Pokemon game is produced by Game Freak. Okay. Game Freak hasn't made a ton other than Pokemon. I got you. They are releasing a new standalone 
JRPG yes. uh, at some point for the Switch, which yes. is a new IP for Game Freak, which is huge because they they have rarely made anything else. I got you. Um, but Game Freak is a Nintendo uh, dev team, I believe. And literally all they do is just a JRPG that involves the hero's journey. Like, that's it. That's it. Like, they, they, a game has never been produced by Game Freak that has not, like, almost iterated the exact events of the hero's journey. Mm-hmm. So. Can that, I ask you a philosophical, philosophical question really quickly? Um, sure, that we, we should probably drop into some direct announcements. Yes, we're going to go right into... Uh, that's why I want to get this in now, because I think the majority of what we're going to talk about going forward is um, Nintendo if, uh, uh, at this point. But, um, uh, although we should we should end with Konami, if we can. Um, sure. So, okay. So, there is a term that is a very... Uh, um, the word is iteration, okay? An iteration just means... Um, uh, you know, repeating a process uh, uh, or, or, or in a new way or not a new way, but it's come to mean new, ver- like it, it's a word that's just a normal English word that has been completely taken by computer software companies in particular. And whenever I listen to, you know, again, Druckmann, Hulse, these Sony guys, they talk about iteration. It's almost like they have to evolve the product a million times. It's not like creating a new Diet Pepsi and having taste tests and making sure it doesn't completely murder people from drinking it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you have to evolve it and evolve it and throw it away. And so, again, to circle back real quick, for them to have kicked out uh, ha- Amy Henning from Uncharted and Naughty Dog must have been really bad, or she must have just been really a control freak, because normally iteration involves like so many of the higher-up people or whatever. Um, and, and I think the difference, man, again, if you put, let's go back to 20, can we go back to the 2018 up or 2017 best games of the year? So it was Breath sure. of the Wild, um, Horizon, um, Super Mario Odyssey, uh, Mario Odyssey. So there was, a, there was actually a, a, an artsy Mario game, actually Mario Odyssey. Yeah, that would have won if Zelda hadn't, um, PUBG and Fortnite. Okay. Well, Horizon might have won if Zelda hadn't, but it's uh, it, it's. I doubt it. Just because of the split Nintendo votes, man. I mean, it's just sheer numbers. I mean, Nintendo. Nintendo oh no, we were missing. Um, what's the one where you're the android? The really weird game. Um, oh, Near Automata. Near Automata was in there. Um, was it sort of five up for game of the year as well. I thought it was just up for J uh, for RPG. No, near, nope, nope near was game of the year. Yeah, okay. uh huh. Okay. Fortnite was not, by the way, because that was right was. before Fortnite blew up. PUBG was Fortnite was not two years ago. Yeah, it, it, it was like a month. Because do you remember we did all those podcasts talking about how big PUBG was, and then like a month yeah. after the beginning of the year when they had already announced the awards, it was all Fortnite. Um, it, it, Fortnite just blew up after that. Yeah. yeah. So what I'm saying is, in this year, Red Dead Redemption, God of War, uh, etc. So to get to those level of games, you have to have a certain large number of iterations, i.e. mini evolutions, right, that go into mm-hmm. it. Like, Breath of the Wild is great and looks nothing like its predecessors because of how many iterations it went into. That's the difference between all of those games I just named and, uh, you know, other, you know, of the best of, of that type of games, and... Even though I love playing them, Assassin's Creed, Far Cry, 
uh, Killzone, very good games that are, and I would say the Bethesda games personally. I mean, even before '76, I, what I, I, I'm going to ignore Skyrim because I'm so biased. But in general, Bethesda's a tier 1.5, if not two. But yeah, I think Ubisoft is a tier two. Konami is easily a tier two at this point, especially having lost uh, what's his name, uh, fucking idiots. Jima. Yeah, um, but 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 do you agree with me that there there is a unique process of of iteration and evolution when it comes to games, and then we can loop that into what Nintendo's got coming up. I'm just curious about that philosophical question as we hit the, think, the final I, I section. Think, I think here. that plays. I think it plays an interesting point. So, and I'll I'll lead this right into some announcements. Go. There are the, the way iterations work, and there's there's just these companies that that when when I when every, I, I constantly go back to this. Every time when I say, if you told me of these publishers slash developers, if you told me to eeny, meeny, miny, mo blindfold me, and I had to pick one, and I was forced to pay $60 for a game from them, yes, I would feel safe picking it from them. Yeah. Right? Games from Platinum. Games from Rockstar. Games from Nintendo. Naughty Dog. Games from Naughty Dog, it, 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 from the, it, games from um, Santa Monica. It, it, I, I, don't I mean, I, I think Santa Monica and Gorilla going into the future, you could say both of them, but neither of them, both of them have only had one spectacular game. Now, it's been their most recent game and has won or been nominated for tons of awards in Horizon and God of War. I want to see, an, uh, we're going to see, I guess, from them a God of War sequel and a Horizon sequel. Assuming those are both awesome, um, I, I'll put them up there. Naughty Dog has shown it with five great Uncharted games and one soon to Last of Us game. So I, I would right. put Naughty dog a little and, bit higher and, and and part of that is is that all of these even the horizon is my favorite game or yeah. rather most most mostly 98 percent of the time these studios yep. won't release a game if it's not ready yep or if the game was going to be released and it wasn't ready they kicked their asses to get it done yep <laughs> like it, it, it's because of these studios that the, the iteration model and what games of the year like stand out to be? Yes, it is it, it, st- still alive to me, even though clearly the game of the year awards is like this industry, yeah, like real thing. But it's still important because it means which game, which dev team, which group of people show show the most love, work, and effort for their product. Mm-hmm. And that's why God of War won over Red Dead, right? Mm-hmm. That's why Zelda won over all the other titles. Is because those, like, like all of these games, showed more and better, or were uh, versus the others. And speaking speaking of these awesome studios, mm-hmm. Platinum, two big pieces of announcements. So Platinum Games is releasing a new title with help of the uh, a, a big staff member from the Near Automata called Astral Chain, which is going to be a Nintendo Switch exclusive, Yeah, which appears to be in Platinum's fashion. Which, by the way, we got to point out really quickly, even though Breath of the Wild is still in the top 20 every single month, both Horizon and Nier, and I'm sure Mario Odyssey, based on sales, have all, like, pretty much all the games nominated two years ago, man, I was talking about that, it was such a great year, have had long tails and are still being bought, purchased, and played. Yeah, go ahead. Top 50. Yeah. 
Um, uh, yeah, I'd be curious game. where Near and um, Horizon are in, in that top 50. It would be interesting. Go ahead. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah. Um, so it's called Astral Chain, and we don't know a ton about it because there's only a little bit of a trailer. You might want to watch it at some point, but in platinum fashion, it's a nice beat-em-up game. Yep. It's a nice, uh, awesome can you give a couple game. of classic platinum games for the listeners, just in case they're not familiar? Bayonetta would be the big one. Yep. A couple JRPGs that have never come over to the West, uh-huh. so I can't really mention them. I've been tempted to play uh, Bayonetta on your Switch, man. I've been really yeah. tempted. Bayonetta 1's downloaded, so you can't play that. Actually. I know. I've been really tempted. Uh, I'm not lying. I love super badass hot kick-your-ass kick anime tracks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Bayonetta is kind of just the name drop one. Um, and a, b- a bunch of other JRPGs. But near. Very- near. I don't, did Platinum make Near? Yeah, Platinum made Near. Oh, yeah, they did. Um, uh, they, is something you didn't know? Sorry. No, no, no. I... I suppressed it in my mind. So no. <laughs> okay. Um, Don't give me any credit. Fine. Those are the two big ones, but they're, 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 um, their motif is they're intense and, uh, entirely, uh, very, very fun beat em ups, uh-huh. uh, fighting style for how you play the game. It's always third person and it's always you taking control of the character sure. and doing a very, sure. um, empowering combo action to kill enemies. Sure. Uh, Star um, Fox with, with strong um, and well. with, with strong fantasy element fighting. Yeah, uh, story, stories, stories. Um, I mean, other than Star Fox, unclear uh, what uh, why Platinum is so famous. I don't really know any of these other games, um, except for Bayonetta. Yeah, well, Bayonetta and here. And by the way, they're published by Squeenix. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. <laughs> But they, but like they Square never. I love Square Enix, dude. Oh, yeah. I, I love Square Enix. What's their relationship with Nintendo? Because Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy early on was synonymous with Nintendo. But when you think of Final Fantasy VII, man, what system, for better or worse, do most people think of? They think of the PlayStation. Yeah, PlayStation. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So why is that? I mean, do they still make Squeenix? Is is uh, Octopath Squeenix? Yeah. Okay. I can I get Octopath from you. Yeah, I could talk about. Do you mind? Um, I could trade you something for borrowing sake, but I I need a matter. third game that's just a just a straight up JRPG. Um, but um, anyways, <laughs> so where were we leading to Nintendo? Um, oh yeah, it was sort so, of. So Astral yeah. Chain. So Astral Chain is a game that they're making. Ah uh, yes. Um, in addition, just while we're on Platinum, go. There are rumors of one of the games I was so disappointed to hear got canceled. You, you, you've heard me talk about Scalebound before, correct? Mm-hmm. So Scalebound was originally going to be a product that Microsoft and Platinum went into work together with. And this was good. What's one of the reasons why I bought an Xbox One way back when? Sure. So it, it seemed like, from for what we understand, Platinum refused to make Scalebound because Microsoft wanted to put loot boxes in the game. Uh-huh. And so the IP just dropped dead on its dev cycle mm-hmm. and nobody did anything with it. Right. Microsoft tried to renew the IP in recent years. Right. Because they failed to because they're failing to do anything with the IP, the US District Court said, No, oh, fuck that. You're not allowed to have it if you're not doing anything with it. Sure. And so there are rumors that Nintendo has picked it up. Mm-hmm. Now I I don't have I I I don't want to describe the game, other than it's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. So go watch the 2014 eight minute 
Xbox One uh, trailer of it because this was a game from 2014 and it looks beautiful and it's all pre-alpha footage. It, it, it like like I, there's no other way to describe it other than it looks fucking awesome. So it, I, w- I would encourage anybody to go out there and watch the gameplay of it. And I really hope the rumor is true because that would like if they release that game in the next couple of years, I, I would be overjoyed because you never hear an IP getting dropped, a dev cycle getting destroyed, and a game you never hear the game getting picked back up and then getting released. That almost never happens. So that would be awesome. Um, that's all there is from that. But the other big announcements. Uh, I'll I'll open it up with the Zelda one. Yeah, go for it. The 1998 classic Link's Awakening DX is getting a top-down 3D remake. So cool uh, for the Nintendo Switch, and it looks it looks pretty good. It looks I, I was I was taken aback by the style of 3D that it was because it kind of looks we- it looked weird for me at first, but now I'm on board. I'm on board now. Uh, it looks awesome. It looks awesome. It looks like they're using the Breath of the Wild engine. Which is a great engine. It's going to be very powerful, especially yep. for a top-down game. Yep. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I'm just excited. I'm excited to see what happens of it. Can I ask you just a qu- uh, quick Breath of the Wild question? Sure. So when you're in one of the million temples, um, like how often are you uh, per temple? Like in like in general, in every temple, are you meant to use one or more of your sort of special tools? Generally, yeah. Yeah, the temples are generally based around the physics of the so if I can physics of the room tool. Yeah. So there's one where there's all these vents. It's not poison, and then I I uh, freeze it, and then there's like a little hammer symbol. And I don't know what to do, and then it just starts again. It's not pushing me. It's not killing me. It's just like mist. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't. It's like one of the early temples. So what I'm asking is. It, it, like, is there a chance I just don't have the right tool? I mean, how many are there? Lots no, you of have, tools. You have all. You can solve any shrine in the game once you leave the plateau. So, what's the little hammer icon mean? Does that mean anything on the thing? Like, you can only have three ice pillars up at a given time. No, it's not an ice it, pillar. Oh, oh! Can you? But you can only do ice on water, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you might be able to do it on mud. Hmm. I think you do it on mud. Is there is there a uh, a site where you can get just the temple solutions? I I won't use it for everything, but just like get a few. You should be able to find it. Okay, I don't know. Or just look up the name of the shrine. So, back to Zelda RPGs. So you got Breath of the Wild. You got the you got, you know, you got yep. remakes like Link's Awakening, and then you have games that feel are supposed to feel like remakes, like Octopath, right? Or um, not in the PS4, I am Setsuna, but like those type of games, which are directly or indirectly trying to go back to the 16-bit SNES JRPG we got days. A butt ton of RPG announcements with this direct, right? A butt ton, including mine and yours favorite. Uh, uh, share like, the one we share the most is we got the Fire Emblem announcement. So g- g- I, I want you to tell us the Fire Emblem announcement because I actually haven't read about it. But dude, I wonder if. We were just talking about Square Enix, and I'm obviously a huge Square Enix fanboy, whether it's, you know, Dragon Quest or Life is Strange, but if you look at their games, 
like life um uh dragon quest is almost too old school turn-based rpg jrpg that doesn't really work anymore i don't think going forward um in the final the final fantasyization of final fantasy over the last five or six versions where it's just getting more emo more like it's story heavy in some ways, but it's not a good story. Like fi- they're just not putting out good Final Fantasy games, in my opinion, since Final Fantasy twelve, um, and and so forth. You think Nintendo is feeling um, empowered uh, to experiment with with the JRPG um, uh, formula a little bit? I suppose, and I know this is not Nintendo. I suppose Persona is doing something similar. With uh, just with experimenting, what makes an RPG? What makes a JRPG, etc. I think that's I think that's every JRPG. Because like I don't think I don't think uh, I don't think Breath of the Wild is an RPG. It has RPG elements, but no, it's an RPG. Eh, I, I don't think so. Other than it's inventory, there, game for there's no progression. Game. There's no leveling. There's no experience there's points. It's not there's progression. It's not, no, you just get hearts. That's the only progression. Okay, so it's so it's an open world RPG. No, it's what all Zelda games have been. A great action-adventure with RPG elements. That's what makes it great. It's like the other Zelda games, but different. All the Zelda games since the beginning, including Link's Awakening, the original Legend of Zelda, there's there's action, a lot of action, you know, avoiding obstacles, uh, clever combat, you know, um, and there are RPG aspects like having different inventory items and in, in, in inventory menu, but it's definitely less of an RPG than The Witcher by far. It's even less of an RPG than Horizon. I'm not saying this as a criticism, I think this is what people should be going for, and why I like the tales of games and stuff Question. like that. Yeah. Do you define JRPG and RPG differently, or are they the same to you? An RPG is the entire category. JRPG is everything. You know, the format formula set by Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy, Dragon Quest, okay. etc. Okay. Which so is we, both the style we, of, we, of play and also the sort of anime theming of it. We don't have time to get into a full JRPG versus RPG versus not those two things conversation right now. Right. But That's not really my question. I, my question I, is I, whether just Nintendo I, I, is I playing define. with the formula in a productive way so as not so specifically not to get caught in a, in a genre label, which I think is great. Right. I, I was trying to answer that, but so but but to my point really quickly, I would define Breath of the Wild as an RPG. It's not an RPG. Besides that, besides that, Hor- Horizon is barely an RPG. That, Horizon Jesse, is barely an RPG. Besides that, Witcher's only half RPG. Besides that, you're not catching I my think, meaning, though. I think I you're not think, catching my meaning, though. I listen to the I, games I I'm say, naming. I just said we don't have time for this. I just said we don't have time for this. No, no, no. I know because okay, so the question or not. No, no, no. I, I, I what I'm, I, I, I just because I don't think you're catching my point, which is I don't. I'm having. I, I'm bored with that. I, I like that games like Horizon Witcher and Zelda are moving away from that. And I, my whole, my whole question. I'm trying to answer that. Okay. I'm trying to answer that. Okay. Well, it's not. It's not. It's not an RPG. <laughs> you, you, no, no, you're going off on a tangent now. Stop. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. I'll stop. Go ahead, buddy. We can agree to disagree. We had that conversation on another podcast. Listen, I think I think for a while now, everybody, every RPG, and this goes, this harps back to the to iteration yeah. philosophy. It, it, they all they all try to build and do different things over time. Because 
each of them has their own main philosophy about how their RPG goes. Sure. And they all they all try to build and improve on top of that. Right. And Zelda Breath of the Wilds was it's an open world exploration experience harping back to the original. Octopath was a callback to the good old days of tireless 70-hour grind fests to get a experience in a turn-based combat scenario. Yeah. It, they, they, all, they all build and have their own individual experiences. Um, and so I'd say it, yes and no to your question. It, it just depends on which RPG you're looking at and how big of a change is it. What kind of evolution is it? Mm-hmm. Um, like Octopath's evolution and uniqueness was a its art style. There's no there's no game that looks like a pop up book in yeah. the same way that mm-hmm. Octopath does. There just yeah. isn't. So there's that, and then there's also the I want to say living world experience, but not quite living world experience that Octopath has, where your characters all have special abilities and they can interact with townsfolk in different ways. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't, I don't think there's another RPG that or JRPG that looks like that uh, or functions like that, where you have a thief and you're running around town, just pickpocketing people in the same way yeah. that other games do that. It's, it, 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 it kind of, it's more like a dice roll and you, 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 you try to steal the item and you either succeed or don't. Whereas Octopath, it's very take your time, think about how you're going to do things, come back to different points in the game, or just brute force it. It's it's very much more choice oriented. That's where Octopath's evolution comes into play. It's all it's all very choice oriented. Yep. So it, it, it all depends on what game and when you're talking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no. I just think that there is there is a hybridization in both directions. Some are becoming uh, remaining complex, and some are are action adventure games yeah. with RPG but, elements. But that, I think that's, that's great. one of the that's one of the most enticing things about not just JRPGs and RPGs, but right. gaming in general is that they're all different and unique in their own sense. No, sure, no, I agree. I, I, I guess when I, I guess the realization I'm having is I, I like the relaxing. Uh, mechanisms of old school jrpgs but if you really want an old school experience for american rpgs you have to do divinity or uh pillars of eternity which on paper i like a lot but are even way more complex in terms of numbers and stuff like that i mean the witcher is one of the things that originally kept me away from Witcher was thinking that I'd have to be super concerned with the stats, and you really don't, other than to be you like, really this one has more fire and magic damage than the other one, so this is the one I'm going to keep. And, you know, better to focus on the story and just on combat in general. Assassin's Creed, obviously, you know, is all surface stuff. You, they don't even let you mess with your inventory in Assassin's Creed, which is so fucking annoying. Um, but, uh, and, and in Horizon, there's literally no numbers. Other than 10 health per level and your armor rating, there's literally no numbers in Horizon. I mean, you can have them show you numbers, but it's completely unnecessary. 
Um, you, you know what I'm saying? And I think yeah. that, that that's a good thing. And I'm glad we have games like I'm Satsuna and Octopath. Um, I just wish I had got, I, well, whenever I do eventually get a Switch, I'm going to get a game, the I'm Satsuna and the sequel on that device because it's so perfect for the Switch. Yeah. Um, but speaking yeah, of go ahead. those two games, yeah. just to finish out the rest of the list here, I forget, where is, where is it at? Um, it's not in this list here, but uh, there is, I think it's called Onikami. Um, yeah. Another game by them, mm-hmm. by the people who make uh, I Am Setsuna. Uh, it'll, you're where you are, it's an RPG beat em up, top down beat em up, hmm. where you inhabit a world where uh, you, it, it, uh, it's, you, you kind of just move on from when people die, and people die in mysterious ways. Mm-hmm. And you're like a spirit traveler interacting with the spirit world and the human world, and you're uh, solving quest- you're, you're solving issues of lost spirits and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, it seems pretty cool. Uh, it's got, it, it looks good. Uh, I would watch the whole, I would I would watch the whole direct if I were you, Jesse, because you're not gonna like everything in there, but you'll like a lot of the things that you'll see. But I can't buy any of it, so why get excited about it? I'll just listen um, to you. They are making a definitive edition of Dragon Quest XI. Oh, nice. For the Switch, it looks pretty good. It's got some cool retro throwback features in it, too, if you want to play retro throwback stuff. That's cool. Where you can, I think it's like a, it's instead of an instead of the open world map, it's like a, it's the more pixelated and more yep. traditional looking map. Um, I am, by the way, though, the one thing about JRPGs throughout the years and still today the partial talking, partial reading is just killing me. Now, to be fair, Pillars of Eternity does something very similar, where you're supposed to be reading and list like they speak part of it, but like not. All. It's actually more annoying in Pillars of Eternity. I'm on the border of giving up on Pillars, man, and and doing uh, Divinity. I, I think Pillars of Eternity is way too dark. The, it's hard to see. It's not that interesting. They tried to create this huge universe. It's not particularly interesting. I think the Japanese are just doing a better job than the Americans. Americans focus on these very complicated numerical games. Uh, or or something like Skyrim, you know, which is a, a million light years long. Um, the Japanese still have a stronger hold on on storytelling overall, but I hate the partial talking, partial non talking. And I don't know what pisses me off more, that they don't have enough money for full voice acting or that they think it's somehow st- in stylistic in Japanese you know, style, which is my guess is what they think it's artistic to do it that way. That really annoys me. I don't care no, if I'm it, being it's, culturally it's, it's insensitive. Def- it, it, it's a money-saving tactic. Okay. Don't, don't feel bad. It's a money-saving tactic. Because Persona could have really sucked me in with full voice from beginning to end, but they have it. Yep. Yeah, that's why. Like, I am Satsuna, no voice. Uh, I I put uh, um, uh, Tales of Bizaria on the Japanese uh, subtitles uh-huh. um, and or Japanese voices, American subtitles, and um, I'm I'm turning off the vo- like in Fire Emblem, man. I turn off the vocals except for the the cutscenes. In Fire Emblem, because uh, I hate that back and forth. The Fire Emblem cutscenes are so good when they give them to you. So give it to me with Fire Emblem, man. I have to say, I wish I had more choices of turn-based combat on consoles other than XCOM on the big systems. I really have no choices other than Fire Emblem. And while I love Fire Emblem, as you know, I do get sick of anime bullshit at sometimes. 
And so, like, I have Tom, like, you know, Tom Clancy versions and other versions, and none of them are nearly as good on portable as Fire Emblem, just from a mechanic standpoint. So I live with it. I wouldn't mind having XCOM. Um, is XCOM on the uh, Switch? I bet one version is, at least. I believe it's been announced. Yeah, that's going to be great, dude. Uh, the new ones might be tough, but if they remaster the old ones or do, like, so, you know what I mean? Uh, could be, could yeah. be awesome. But Fire Emblem undoubtedly has great mechanics when it's working well. So give it to me about about the yeah. announcement because i haven't heard so, anything so i would watch the video yourself because i'm just going to give you a brief brief understanding of what's going on it is a different from from what we've seen it is a very different premise for a fire emblem world or is it turn-based combat continent. is it turn-based combat it, none of the game is different okay none of the good. game itself That's but the, the, the story and the, the the continent it sets on is very different from I what gotcha. i've experienced in a fire emblem game um Put it simply, you are a teacher at a castle, and you pick one of the three houses to lead, I think, and you 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 basically help the students become great people for their uh, for their territory. Sure. Um, so go go watch the trailer yourselves. It's a it's a very good in depth, very explanatory you trailer. Think I will like very it. Good. I, you know my taste well enough. Do you think I will like it? Watch the trailer. Okay. Watch the trailer. Watch the trailer. Watch the trailer. <laughs> no. I had to watch it twice. No. I had to watch it twice. I had to watch it twice. I think it's the sacred like cows it. even are being I destroyed. Like, I think you're going to like it. Yeah. Watch the trailer first. Uh, dude, here- Speaking of better news. Yeah. Also, it's called Onikani. That's what uh, Oninaki. Oninaki. Right, I was going to say, it's not Okame. Um, yeah. Toby Fox, creator of Undertale, is releasing his sequel, prequel game, now, this uh, is Delta news. on Switch. Yes. Yay, awesome. He also confirmed that there are other chapters, because there's only one chapter, it's very short, uh, in the works that are not going to be for free. So that's, that's important to know. Um, Damon X Machina. You have not seen any of this, and I have been telling you about this since E3. Say again? But it's called Damon X Machina, and it is a... I don't even remember what this is. This is a mech-fighting game for the Nintendo Switch. Word. And it looks incredible. You've got, you got, you've got the very Doom soundtrack inspiration where it's just all head-banging metal. Yeah. You've got mechs fighting each other. You've got mechs shooting down enemy mechs, taking their weapons and armor and customizing your mech with it. It looks awesome. You've got boss battles. It looks super fun. I can't wait to play this game. There's a demo out now. For anybody who has a Nintendo Switch, go check it out. Um, Hellblade Setsuna Sacrifice is coming to the Switch. As long as it doesn't look bad, great. Awesome. It's a great uh, experience. Uh, speaking of iterations, we have uh, we have Yoshi's Crafted World, which is uh, a Yoshi platformer in the same style of Mario. But the twist is you can turn the platform reverse, and the background becomes the foreground, and you have all of these new things to explore and experience in the platform. Hold on. Um, let me let me find my shotgun so I can blow my face <laughs> off. <laughs> Jesse hates everything Mario and platform. It's, it's okay. just so corny. 
It's so I, it's I so over the top I, colorful. I, I can't. Yeah. You don't have to like it. That's fine. Yeah. And of course, the game that will absolutely get game of the year this year, Tetris ninety nine. Yeah. Which is a free game for anybody yep. who has Nintendo Switch online. Yeah, I was gonna ask you about this. Which is a battle royale Tetris game yeah. where you. And 99 other players play a game of Tetris while solving the puzzle and throwing mm-hmm. uh, obstacles in the way of others, and the last person still standing wins. Love it. Love it's- it! Here's the thing, man. If the Nintendo... If the Switch... Either... It doesn't even need both of these. If, if the Switch 1.5 is just either a little bit more comfortable to hold and play or improved graphics. Either one of those would get me very close to to owning one, especially with how many games I like that normally never would have been uh, available on Nintendo, right? And now are available on Nintendo. But but what I'm saying is, you know, Xenoblade, I I don't even want to project on my TV because it's just not that sharp. It looks great on the on the small screen. Zelda it's very blurry. Zelda it's is blurry. is so cinematic and so artistic with its two D aspects that it works great on the television. Um, uh, wh- wh- where do you think they're headed with that? Do you think they're going to try and make the TV experience a little bit more full console or do you think they're going to just say most people in Japan in particular, but worldwide, are going to be playing this portably, and so we're going to keep doing what we did all the way going back to Mario Land 3D and, and beyond, right? I think I think the rumors, if they're true, and the rumor is now that they are planning on releasing a switch downgrade where it just has the switch unit it's a little smaller and it doesn't have a dock for connecting to the tv so it's, oh, it's cheaper just overall. portable that's why it's they're just uh, portable that's why they're offloading all the commercials i told you about and about the 3ds games they're trying to offload they are, stuff right right well the 3ds is dead at by 2020 regardless. But no, but, but they're trying to to hurry it because let's be honest, oh, sure. dude, I'm one of like a hundred million people worldwide that still has and uses well, a stopped, 3DS. They stopped making 2DSs a while ago. Um, sure. But I'm uh, saying stopped, I'm not the stopped, only one on the planet making... that still plays that. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I, I would expect by 2021 we will receive an upgraded Switch. I think we're going to receive it the year after the Xbox Next mm-hmm. and the PS12 come out. Do you think they pull an Apple and release the stripped-down version and the advanced version together? I think we get the stripped-down version first. Okay, so you think they're going to stagger that? I don't that's think so. With the 3D- no, that's what happened with the 3DS. They released the 3DS, then the 3DS XL, which, to be fair, that I don't really count those two different things. It's just one's bigger, right? Well, no, I'm just go- I'm just going by the timetable. If to then, 2021, uh, that's not time- very far. This yeah. is the timetable. Then they released the 2DS, which is the smaller, more accessible right. one, right? Which is much cheaper. Yes. Then they release the ne- the new 3DS and the new 3DS XL, and then eventually the new 2DS. Yes. So you're, yeah, I understand. The- yeah, I understand. Yeah. I the, get the, it. The, 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 <clears throat> they're going to mimic that, which would make sense to me. 
unless right they're trying there. to copy the console mod. That's all I'm saying. It's just I so interesting. So. They could I go. Think, it's like a choose your adventure where they're, there's, they literally have at least two paths now. They could try and become a little bit more like a console with the awesome remote element or just straight up embrace the remote element. And yes, you can plug us in easily if you want or, to. Or I think we're getting ahead of ourselves and Nintendo has no reason to rush things. Which is exactly what I said about Sony a year and a half ago and why they weren't going to release a PS5 anytime soon. Because, right. Ethan, what is the, su- what is the sub-name, of, so the sub-reddit? If, if Awkward Controllers is the reddit, the sub-reddit is name on the game is the game. Come on. I same with Nintendo, that, same with Sony. I think Nintendo has zero interest in trying to compete the same year that Sony and Microsoft are trying to battle. I just feel good, dude, that our two horses are the two leading horses. And, and if you're a Microsoft person, sorry. <laughs> I, I, only, I only wish the best for Microsoft. Sure. I only wish the best for Microsoft. Sure. sure. Especially, since, especially since Xbox Live is coming to the Switch, I'm very excited to see what Microsoft can bring over to the Switch. Yep. So Game I need. Wise, so I, I, I do. I, I would I, love to play the Halo games mm-hmm. anytime I want on the Switch. Like, so, yeah. So why don't we lead uh, the lead for the next um, show? Because I need to research on this a little bit, or just talk to you more about the details of Microsoft uh, Nintendo thing because it's it's a it's a suspicious arrangement that borders on monopolization. Um, and so I want to research it a little bit. Um, so we'll talk about it the next time. But I don't want to end quite yet. So we were talking about Fire Emblem, uh, dude. You know, there's a bunch of indie. Um, uh, I mean, the fact that you can play Into the Breach on the Switch, like yeah. like cult, um, you know, turn-based strategy games, real-time strategy games. And it's it was incredibly smart of Nintendo to do that because that's what kept them alive. Do you know what the they should get? Year of do, the Switch. Do you know what they should get? Warcraft Three remastered. Get a Switch version. I think that would go over great. Listen, Diablo Three released for the Switch. I'm sure Blizzard would be very happy. Or rather, Activision at this point would be very happy yeah. to hook something up. Yeah, because of the touch screen and just the, you know the nature of the beast, it wouldn't be that hard. Or they could also at least do StarCraft Remastered, which is great, and they've already remastered that. Um, and or just or just do what Xbox is clearly doing, which is they know they will never have a handheld yeah. that will ever compete with Nintendo, yeah. and just try to take some just just put it on the Switch itself and get some market out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, all right, let's just end on strategy game news really quick and then we'll, we'll sign off. So real quick, I've talked to you about this, but just to get on the podcast. So I finally got the major Stellaris update. I didn't realize how major it was from 2.1 to 2.2 completely redid the planet. Um, everything having to do with the planet. It's even, it's as much of a jump as civil five to civ six in terms of how they handle cities is how different the planet is. Maybe even more so you know, dude, last podcast I was talking a ton of how, like, sometimes I love playing Civ and Solaris, but sometimes I love really complex, you know, Euro board games as well. But this is like a mashup of Solaris, Civ, and a very, very heavy Euro board game with, like, dozens of kinds of resources and, like, so many, so much iconography that the other one did, that the other one didn't have. And so I said, fuck this. And, and, you know, God bless them, I was able to go back to 2.1, play my old saves, and as I'm playing it, though, man, be- you know, I switch back because, like, you talk about how Civ Six is like your your medicine, like your relaxation, chill, right? Like, it's like your chill thing, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. So Solaris was like that for me. And so I was like, oh, they fucked with my chill thing. And so I want to go back to the chill thing. But then I was like, wait a minute. I played 150 hours on this whole system. Maybe I should at least try and use the new system. But I jump back into the new system. So we'll see. But it did cause me. It had a great effect. It caused me to play Civ 5 and then a bunch of Civ 6. I was up super late last night playing Civ 6. I got to say, man, I turned a couple detail things, uh, uh, processing things down in the menu. And all of a sudden, it's like humming along pretty well, even on my yeah. Mac. And we'll eventually eventually get the PC fully set up. I mean, I, I could do it if I wanted to now, but it's actually running well now with some of those sliders down, and it looks it looks great. The combat's hilarious, and, it, and I do like it, it's it's certainly way more user friendly than Civ Five, and so I'll probably keep playing it. Um, first question: Have you tried the DLC that came out, or the expansion? I should say. And I have, I have not. Okay. It has good reviews though, so I'm. I'm pleasant about that because Rise and Fall did not get good reviews. Not from everybody. Did you get Rise and Fall? I did not. Not yet. Yeah. No, I've been saving it. I've I played a little bit too much Civ three yeah. past few weeks and I kind of burned myself out, so I've been playing some other stuff. Interesting, interesting. I think the thing about Civ is when you research new technologies or new civics, there's like all of these things that it opens up. Um Right. And I know they right. try and they so- try and solve that with the with the tech tree that you can open up, and like that's very cool. Um, but I think it wouldn't hurt them t- to have less iconography. I know I'm asking them to make Civ simpler, which is dumb because that's usually my my complaint is that it's too simple in some ways. But when it comes to researching technologies, there could be. Do you agree there there may be a, a better way of conveying that to people because they're doing a great well, job with the, explaining the economic stuff in the new system. And economics are just way better in Civ Six than they've ever been in any Civ. Yeah, you no longer way, feel like you're under crippling debt every single fucking right. Just make sure game. you're not in the negative anywhere, and wherever you're specializing, like make sure you've got a you know like a good amount of food in production. I almost always have positive gold because I always build commercial hubs. And you do trade routes early on. You have to. Yeah, gold yeah. is more gold in Civ Six is more of a expendable resource as a uh, as an X factor. Yeah. Do I need units? Do I need districts? Do I need district buildings? What do I need? Yep. Um, which is smart because that's how actual government works. Yeah. Um, uh, what's it called? Um, well, with it, with with rise and fall or not rise and fall, um, gathering storm, you're you can no longer pick um, text directly anymore. At least not in the same way because it's just like normal technology. You have to put yourselves towards something. You can put yourself in a direction, yeah. but it won't. It won't give you. It won't one hundred percent of the time give you the thing you want anymore. Yeah. It's 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 something random among what is available. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It, 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 it limits choice. Yep. And it teaches you what is available by doing. Right. So that does that does solve that issue. And this is this is again something that both sides have positives and negatives. What you said is a slight negative uh, compared to Stellaris, where it's more clear what you're choosing. Now, in Stellaris, it's only three categories of research, and it's just research one thing at a time, and then one thing at a time. And a lot of time, it's like Mark 1 missiles, Mark 2 missiles, Mark 3 missiles, but... As I, as I mentioned last time, I think, you know, one of the advantages of them not having to evolve into new ages and stuff, like the classical age, the enlightenment age, blah, 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 is that it, it can be a little bit more focused in terms of like the computers start seeing 
you're, you're, that you're really into fusion reactors and uh, and plasma-based weapons. You're not using, uh, which actually is a good decision in the game. Missiles and torpedoes seem very powerful, but it's easy to evade them. He's So the AI can sort of tell that you're not researching in the missiles and torpedoes area, and, and it gives you, uh, it kind of branches off based on that. And if there's a book symbol on the thing, it means that it's going to open up a whole new branch, which is cool, but maybe you're not done researching the branch that you're on so you don't want to click that thing because now the site so it's actually a wide array of technology combinations you can do in Stellaris and that's what keeps me coming back along with the ship stuff um and and yet but it doesn't have that sort of open like are we trading are we friends are we not friends thing that you get in Civ right that's like a board game that's so much fun Stellaris is like we're either at war or we're not or the borders are closed or they're not that's basically it in terms of diplomacy that's always been a problem with Space 4X games is bad diplomacy I'm not saying it's not great in Civ 6 but at least the overall dynamics year to year make more sense I don't know if that if that makes yeah. sense yeah yeah in terms of how other nations respond to you. Are we ever going to get good AI in these complex strategy games? Or are they just, it, it's just impossible. Not as long as they keep fucking misspelling things in the code. Right, right, right. Yeah. Which is funny to think, although usually you would think that would be a Bethesda a thing where they miss lines in the code and the whole thing crashes. I, I'll say, and I'll say it again. So 2K is very a, smooth. 2K is just the sleeping dog of EA. Like, this, as as soon as they get some big thing, like people are gonna realize uh-huh. that they are just as fucking scummy as EA is. Yeah, and they are. They are. And so yep. th- th- there there is th- there is there's no doubt in my mind. The minute two K makes a, a IP that sends the gaming world to the heavens, right, right, and makes something beautiful and everyone wants to play, yeah. and they monetize it the way they monetize Civ. The way they monetize 2K, uh, 18, or what? Any of the other, any of those games? Yeah, people are going to realize how fucking shitty it is, and they're going to going to be backlash. Just I'm, will. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but the best thing they could do for Civ Seven is add a quality, it, it, somewhat lengthy narrative scenario based component that's essentially normal single player in like starcraft or whatever you know like in starcraft there's three elements there's the campaign story there's you can just play any scenario against ai or all the various levels of multiplayer well civ only has two of those it doesn't have the campaign and and the blizzard campaigns have been pretty good overall i can guarantee dude was uh warcraft 3 had the best of all the warcraft stories and it was sort of what they based the movie and like other things on is very based on warcraft 3 i think they're going to expand on it make it awesome even awesomer um in in uh, the remastered version it's they, they already have scenarios that are from 50 to 150 turns playing the vikings you could easily do a story about the renaissance or medieval times or japan versus china mm-hmm. you could play japan on one side and then replay with china over like a dozen or a dozen and a half scenarios 50 to 150 turns I know that's an investment. You need voice talent and design them, but it's, it certainly would tide people over as you iterate, as we've been saying, uh, you know, in improving the product. I don't know if that'll happen, but would you, I mean, I, I know you wouldn't be opposed to such an idea. Would that hold any appeal to you whatsoever? I think as long as 
the updates to the Civ franchise, the the following DLCs. Because let's be honest here, they they've made their they've made their content model. They made it clear this is what they're going to do. Right. This is how they're going to set it up. This is their cash cow. This is how they this is how they monetize it. Right. So long as the updates to the Civ games in the DLC formats are genuine improvement based on community feedback of the games and are not missteps and mistakes that were repeated in previous games, I am fine with them monetizing and charging any amount of money that they want for their DLCs, mm-hmm. right? But things like, let's release a game that we know is broken, and we're going to fix it over time with DLC that we're going to make the user pay for and not release any free updates that fix those issues Do you think already. that's happening, though? They're not bugs. Because long before it was owned by 4K, Civilization and games like that often took numerous patches and bugs over a year or two to be okay. So in Civ's case, I'm not sure it's the same EA I cannot, greed. I cannot confirm or deny it has anything to do that that has anything to do with the development. But you understand my point, right? Like there are, there's a scenario where they just keep fucking up for fuck up reasons. And there's a scenario where it's the EA type of repeated fuck up. That's all I'm saying. My, 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 well, 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 here's the scenario for you. They fuck up Civ seven. They know it's going really bad. They know it's nowhere near as quite the experience as Civ 6 or Civ 5 sure. was at release. Sure. But they choose to release it anyway. This is the, the scenario well, I have proposed that will to you. Be, that will the be sen- the day when they the, right, release exactly. it anyways. <laughs> the scenario I propose to you yeah. is more of an industry-wide concern rather sure. than a specifically Civ concern. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, really quickly, man, I'm still amazed they're bringing Stellaris to uh, the console, and I they very have been very specific that they're going to be doing like 2.0 at, at most version of Stellaris on the console, so it won't be nearly this complicated. This would be almost impossible. The economics, uh, Stanley Parable for the console on the console, um, but um, well, that's cool. But Stanley Parable isn't like an engineering I I, achievement, I just, yeah. Solaris, I, I'm not sure how you're going to be able to control it with with the controller. Um, it's not like you need a lot of hotkeys, but you are doing a ton of mouse clicks. How does would, Paradox would, keep doing this, surprised. man? Is, can this work? I wouldn't be surprised if they found some way to use the PS4 touchpad. Oh... Uh, uh, yeah, it's been totally wasted, and right? Would, That's a good and call. Be, and, and I wouldn't be surprised uh-huh. if they launched with keyboard and mouse support on Xbox. Interesting. Interesting. Well, that would make sense why they're, they're, they're you know, revolutionizing their own program to the computer users. Because, I mean, in terms of the economics, it's like, a, it, on the surface, it seems like a totally different uh, game. But it still looks amazing and runs amazing. Um, uh, I mean, God, again, dude, you could run Stellaris on the Switch, I think. Um, there'd be a lot of zooming in and out, but you could you could do it. <laughs> Sure. Um, so, okay, man. Uh, well, we will talk about more stuff. We'll keep following Anthem, even though neither of us really cares. But we certainly, you know. Um, Listen, and the minute, the minute it proves to me yeah. that it has a robust endgame and people love it, I'll buy it. Okay, right? well, I, I've been, I always well, say fuck EA. Until so, it, pro- until it yeah. proves that, I'm not, I don't give a shit. But then why? So, well, let me just end on this one question. Um, we'll close that, which is 
Why, dis- why, 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 Ethan, despite all of our suspicion, hate, deserved suspicion and dislike, um, and disappointment with EA and related companies, especially EA, how and why is Apex working? Where did it come from? Did you see this coming and why is it so good? Nobody saw this coming. They just, they, they, they said, fuck it. Let's not spend any money on marketing it. Let's just release it. And they did. They pulled a Nathan Fillion. They're not going to see this coming. It it turns out when you do something crazy, crazy thing happens. So you think their biggest success is going to be like their biggest mistake? Like they, not mistake, their biggest unintentional move is going to end up being their big success. I think they did not calculate that the game was going to be this successful. Uh And because of that, they're going to make a misstep and it's going to become a failure. Yeah. And it's certainly a possibility. The minute, here's the issue. Yeah. It's a free to play game. So the, the the way things work with traditional DLC passes is to release maps or guns or characters or something like that, right? Uh-huh. That that you get for paid content, but not everybody buys paid content. Uh-huh. So the minute they they cut the community in half or in fractions, this game's dead. Uh-huh. The minute that happens, right? But uh, the, the minute they do that, it's dead, and and so long as they don't do that, and they just release regular updates for the game, yeah. which they do, they just added a new gun into the game, just like Fortnite does. Oh, what do you do? New, it's a new month, guys. We're going to release some new skins, a new character, oh. and here's some new guns. Go have fun. Right? As long as they keep the game interesting, mm-hmm. which is all multiplayer people care about, is something to cool. do, something's different. There's a new way I can do this. That's how multiplayer games work today. Oh, yeah. As long as, as, long as they do it, their game's going to be fine because... Listen, 25 million people concurrently is not a sustainable number, yep. even for WoW today. Yep. Like, that's hard. That's hard to sustain, right? But, I mean, listen, you drop that down to 7 million, you still have a very successful game. Sure. Like, like, yep. like unquestionably, they have a very successful game. Yeah. Um. All right, really quickly, um, we've been playing. So I've been playing more Black Flag. I got, I got to be honest, man. I, I'm, I'm hitting the point in Black Flag. I'm only like ten, fifteen percent in, where I can see why uh, uh, people s- s- have seen Origins and then Odyssey as improvements. Like it seems like Black Flag was like maybe the best, but also the last of sort of the old school assassin's creed style and it's actually making me want to jump back into origins and then odyssey with a little bit more freedom and differentiation but the theme remains amazing running around cuba and like i have the entire caribbean in front of me so god knows how much time you could spend on stupid achievements in this game uh you've been playing anything different or mostly just destiny instead Destiny and Apex. And Apex. And Apex. Um, oh, one final question, then we're really going to end, which is people love to make fun of slash criticize Disney for all the Disney things and all the corporate things, and a lot of people don't like anime or say they don't like anime. Ethan, people are just liars because Kingdom Hearts does so fucking well every time there's Kingdom Hearts. Am I crazy, or does it seem like everyone hates Disney and anime until Kingdom Hearts, like the mainstream, and then all of a sudden everyone goes crazy? Kingdom Hearts has the same effect that the Kojima effect does on Death Stranding, right? Okay, so it's like a mage, like mage-like, yeah. Well, the diff- well so you, you attract enough people, and enough people are interested in it, that they will wait 17 fucking years for a sequel. But, like, the same people you- I know who, like, Red Dead and God of War like Kingdom Hearts, I can't understand right. it. Right, but that's the point, is that, is that you had an audience... 
that it's Pokemon. seventeen it's Pokemon. years for this game. Of course, people were going to buy it. Yeah, no, Pokemon's Pokemon. different. Pokemon, Pokemon was a yearly release slash extended. No, 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 what I'm release. saying is, Pokemon Pokemon. touches so deeply into various levels of nostalgia sure. that people always are going to buy it. Sure. Yeah. And I always enjoy the gameplay process of Pokemon. Yeah. I always will. Awesome. I always will. All right, man. <clears throat> well, um, uh, I will probably be breaking out the Switch tonight since my TV's busted. Uh, I'm going to probably be playing some Civ Six. Um, I don't know if it's going to run with my software, my uh, software streaming emulator at the same time so I can stream it online. I don't know. Are you going to be streaming anything next couple days? Probably just Apex or Destiny. Let me know when you stream Apex. I'd love to see it. I don't know if uh, in yeah. the, maybe I'll, I'll play. I do want to play some Titanfall yeah. though. I, from I, what I, I hear, from yeah. what I hear, is that the console multiplayer is much easier than the PC multiplayer. Yeah, and I I just need some shooters in my life. You know, as much as I love these action adventure, you know, mild RPG games, like I just need some shooters. So yeah, Although I think you'll like Apex. I, I still have your like original it. Destiny D- DVD here. I could just pop that in listen, and see what listen, happens. If you if you want to get into if you want to get into the story, there's no better way to just pop in D1 and just play it for a little bit. Okay, all right, uh, maybe I will. Because God of War, every time I think about playing it again, I'm like, uh. um, yeah. so cool, man. Um, all right, anything you're looking forward to, and then we'll close this out. Coming up, anything coming up? I mean, almost everything in that direct. I'm very excited about. Word. Um, oh, there right. is an yeah. announcement. There's an announcement this spring. I think it's in March. Uh-huh. Maybe maybe April. Uh, from uh from Persona coming from Persona, they're okay. going to announce something called Persona Five R, which is where we're believe is going to be a definitive edition. And at that point is probably the best hope we're going to find out about Switch version. Awesome. So I'm right. really looking forward to that. All right. Well, the, se- whoa, the second that happens, I'm just gonna go for a hundred percent hardest difficulty run of Persona on my Switch. Like, well, I, it, I want it so bad. I'll, I uh, I'll before next time, <clears throat> I'll try and put some some Switch hours in on on some of these games. Listen, some cra- crazier things have happened. Scalebound is getting resurrected. There so you go. There like, you like, go. Crazier things have happened. All right, dude. Well, thank you so much. That was Ethan uh, L underscore Fedorable. Thank you, Mister Fedorable. <laughs> Mr. Underscore Fedorable. I can't, I, I, I can't, I can't tip my hat in <laughs> podcast form, so yeah. I don't say about it. Well, I might have to start wearing hats to make up for it. If no hats is no good. So, um, thank you, listeners. Um, keep, we'll keep the awkward controllers coming. May the force be with you, but for now, uh, the awkward controllers and the Bizzlecast are out.